Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Pro leagues supporting daily fantasy sports, but college organizations quite the opposite. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver recently called for federal regulation of daily fantasy operators, but also said that the league will continue its partnership with FanDuel despite multiple investigations into the industry trade practices and questions over the legality of the contests under federal and state gambling laws. Meanwhile, the NCAA called off-plan talks to iron out differences with FanDuel and DraftKings after already telling the sites privately they'd be barred from advertising during this year's Men's and Women's March Madness basketball tournament. Plus, the SEC asked SEC Network owner ESPN not to air advertisements for daily fantasy sports. But fantasy will continue to survive until further notice, largely because of the significant attention, advertising revenue, and sponsorship brought to the equation. $120 million. That's how much WMEIMG paid for professional bull riding. Look for the sport to head to China to tap into a massive untouched market as part of an effort to make bull riding a mainstream sport, not a niche sport. One of the sport's main selling points is its danger aspect, something that fans have clearly grown to love with hard-hitting sports like football and MMA. By taking advantage of this and further expanding the sports licensing agreements, WMEIMG Chief Content Officer Mark Shapiro said, In the future, you can see us putting sensors on our bulls or sensors on our riders so that when you're watching at home, you can see their blood pressure, you can see the amount of strength that a bull is using. The PBR has passionate fans, appropriate demographics, sponsor interest, and television compatibility. Look for the PBR to skyrocket in coming years. $200 million. That's how much a source says the University of Texas is close to getting from Nike for a 15-year deal to outfit student-athletes and staff with apparel and shoes and provide official licensed merchandise, hats, t-shirts, and the like. Nike pushing aside Under Armour, which had a strong interest in doing a deal. It would be college sports' richest, eclipsing the $169 million deal Nike signed with the University of Michigan. The annual payout, about $13 million up a considerable amount from the $3.2 million the school will receive this year under its current Nike deal. Texas's football fortunes are improving, the basketball program stabilizing, and athletic directorship resolution right around the corner. Possibly good times ahead for the Longhorns. And as the NBA season gets underway, look at the social media stars this offseason. In terms of Twitter followers, LeBron James, the king, added $2.6 million, or 12%. His total near 25 million. MVP and NBA champion Stefan Curry grew his following on Twitter by 25%. While Nick Young's offseason with the Lakers and fiance Iggy Azalea merited him a 13% gain in Twitter followers, the data according to MVP Index. Now to our featured interview this week Mark Lamping, president of the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars. Mark Lamping, president, Jaguars, executive committee, board, Fulham. Obviously diverse, but even more interesting than that, Cardinals, Anheuser-Busch, Meadowlands, you've run the gamut. You've had a lot of sports <laughs> experience, obviously. 
Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've been in out of a lot, a lot of jobs. I guess that's one way you could look at it. But yeah. no, I've been I've been blessed to have some great jobs and more importantly, some great bosses. Well, and, and, and more importantly, as far as experiences concerned, perspective, you've had brand building experience as well. So the international series starts in '07, but the Jaguars recent and now interested in a long term deal. How do you build the brand of the Jaguars basically in two continents? Well, you have to work hard at it, that's for sure. You know, the first thing that has to happen is you have to be given the platform to do it. And, uh, you know, when the NFL was looking for a team to uh, commit to play multiple years uh, in London, uh, you know, Shad Khan was uh, willing to, to uh, raise his hand to commit the Jaguars to do it, to, to help the league and help all 32 teams learn about what the London market is all about. Uh, but just as important, we have some some very fundamental, unique issues in Jacksonville that playing in London each year helps us solve. Do the people in Jacksonville believe this is an enhancement to their aspect of the Jaguar brand? I don't think there's any question. Uh, you know, on this trip today, in fact, Chad and I were at a breakfast meeting this morning with the current mayor of Jacksonville, with the former mayor of Jacksonville, the current head of the Chamber of Commerce. And we were calling on a company trying to convince them to move three or 400 jobs from the UK uh, to Jacksonville. So uh, the city of Jacksonville, whether it's political leaders or whether it's the business leaders or even our fans, they understand that by us playing one game a year in London, we are a stronger franchise uh, in Jacksonville. And whenever you can put the name Jacksonville along with the name London, you know Jacksonville gets a pretty good benefit from that. Let's keep talking synergies and we'll get back to numbers. So. Shad Khan has a global uh, auto relationship business as well. Talk about the synergies and what he what he's done here, for example. Well, it, it, uh, there's the, the 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 synergies as it relates to um, London. You know, starts with the Jaguars coming here. Shad owns the Fulham Football Club, and there's synergies that we work very closely with Fulham on. And you know, Shad is a, a very very successful. A businessman, uh, you know, in the auto parts business, and you know, when we when we come to London, probably wherever Shad uh, travels, uh, the people that are in charge of that industry in those respective countries want to sit down with Shad and pick his brain, and you know, that happened today as well. So, you know, there are great opportunities to to not only um, have each of the entities, you know, whether it's the Jaguars or whether it's Fulham. Uh, grow on their own right, but we think there's tremendous opportunities for synergies and combined leverage, with, which we think can strengthen both both teams and brands. If you and Shad make a commitment to play a game a year here, at least until the published reports 30, 2030 or beyond, you must believe that the Jaguars can de facto be an international brand out ahead of or with synergies with the NFL. Well, we hope so. You know, I know that we could use the brand building assistance, that's for sure. And the results in, um, you know, in London have been very, very encouraging. You know, we've, this, is, this is our third consecutive year, uh, you know, that we've been here. We've just committed to be here for another five years. We'd like to stay for another five after that at least. And uh, our business in Jacksonville, even though we play one fewer home game, is much stronger than it was before we started this. We're generating more revenue in in Jacksonville by playing nine games than when we played ten games, and we have a huge amount of incremental revenue that's coming from uh, London. On top of that, almost 15% of our to total local revenue right now is being sourced in London. We've gone from the 31st most popular team uh, in London to the 10th, 
and almost all the teams that are ahead of us are the teams that you could guess, the, the teams that have been around for a long time and have uh, had a, a tremendous amount of success. Uh, we launched a fan club three years ago. This weekend we'll go over 50,000 members in that fan club. We, you know, we're the only team that does a customized uh, a website that is updated each and every year that's targeted towards Jaguar fans uh, in the U.K. So, you know, there's a lot of hard work going, and the response has been good. 30-second primer for the business fan in the States about home game London dispersal sharing 101. You keep – is it the same revenue-sharing formula relative to tickets, and does the league reimburse certain expenses? What's, what's the nature of the relationship? Well, we, it's, it's very similar uh, uh, as if we were having this game in Jacksonville. But the difference is we're playing in a much bigger stadium, and the tickets are priced much higher. So we have a volume benefit, we've got a price benefit, and those two combined, along with some sponsorship uh, development that has occurred here through the NFL that we, uh, that, that we benefit from as it relates to our game, those significantly outweigh the incremental cost of coming over here. So our margin on playing a game here in London is significantly higher than the margin of that game had it been played uh, this week in Jacksonville. As the NFL does its resolution a month ago and increases the NFL international mandate through 2025, you effectively are the pioneer, poster child, educator of most of the other 31 owners as to the benefits. It's that was part of the commitment that Chad made, and you know we back that commitment by, you know we we have several full time employees now here in London working on behalf of the Jaguars. We, you know, invest over a million dollars a year in market development activities. Those market development activities are primarily focused on building the game, the game of American football here in London and throughout the UK, and those are the, those, those types of investments will provide residual benefits to. Uh, the entire uh, league, and as such, to all 32 clubs. What's the nature of the working relationship with Mark Waller and Tassel and NFL International? Daily, regular, synergistic? Well, it, it depends on the time of the year, but 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 very strong. You know, it, you if you're if you're objective, and you take a look at you know what Mark Waller and Alistair Kirkwood and the entire uh, NFL International team has done since they started the international uh, series here here in London. You can't help but be very, very impressed. So it's a very high-quality uh, group of people that are working. You know, we work constantly with them. You know, part of our responsibility is to provide that team perspective that only a team can provide. And you know, it's it's great give and take, and it's and it's I think it's working the way it should work. And when we talked to Mark Waller yesterday about life in the new Roger Goodell, I got to make twenty-five billion a year challenge. So you do it. <laughs> It all comes down. He counts on the Jaguars very significantly to help in that strategy. Well, you know, how can, how can the NFL grow, continue to grow at, at high double digits each and every year in the United States? It's hard to do that, particularly when you, you know, you know the television ratings better than, than anyone. So it's like every one of the top 50 television programs each year ultimately going to be an NFL game. So the opportunity for growth, obviously, it, it, there's growth uh, in front of us in the United States. But there are significant revenue pools that are available outside the United States, and that's where the league should be fishing, and you know, we're, we're, we're happy to be on the boat with them here in the U.K. Speaking of the boat, what is the nature of the discussion that will ultimately satisfy the U.K. expansion, relocation, two home games, 16 games a year issue? How is that process going to work? Well, 
at some point in time, there needs to be an assessment that says London will have a fan base that's deep enough to be able to support a team through good years and bad, through strong schedules and weak schedules, year in and year out. And you know, while the market has improved significantly and continues to grow very fast, I don't think anyone believes that London is there today. But I think everyone agrees that London will get there at some point in the not-too-distant future. And then when that happens, it's up to the league and the 32 member clubs to determine how do they address that market opportunity. Pre-2007, you'd hear a lot of grumblings about getting on a plane. It's a long flight. How do we deal with these guys? There's jet lag. There's a lot of time for owners to come back and worry about coaches' future. <laughs> do we hear a lot of that grumbling? I don't know. I grumbled when I had to fly from Jacksonville up to Portland to meet with the people at Nike. So, you know, I think it's part of what we do. Uh, you know, there's, there's been great advances in terms of, you know, not only, you know, how you uh, 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 treat your body, what you do while you're on the plane, even some of the, the innovations that have happened with actual the, 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 composite, the composite structure of the fuselages on airplanes that allow for higher oxygen content. So, you know, the reality is the you know, flight from, from New York to London is no different than a flight from Miami to Seattle. And, you know, it's, uh, nobody feels sorry for us having to be on a long flight. I'll tell you that for sure. Isn't it interesting that you started as a beverage maven, now you're a uh, aerospace engineer? No, I just... Very well done. I just, I just listen a lot to other people who I think know what they're talking about. Let's talk for a couple minutes about Fulham. We'll be there. Uh, obviously, Shad's team as well. Uh, explain some of the synergies between Fulham, the Jaguars, and otherwise, the Visit Florida sponsorship. Yeah. Example. You know, let's, let's first start with the fact that the Jaguars are coming over here each and every year. And it's great for us to have you know, boots on the ground that we can understand this market. And, you know, Fulham plays a, a great role in that. Fulham is, you know, one of the most historic clubs in, uh, in all of English football. It's the oldest uh, London soccer club. Uh, Craven Cottage is the um, United Kingdom soccer equivalent of uh, Wrigley Field and Fenway Park. There's nothing like it. Uh, it sits on the, uh, on the north bank of the Thames. It's a spectacular place in the middle of one of the... Uh, uh, most prestigious residential areas of all of, uh, all of West London. So, it's a in and of itself, it's a very prestigious property, and there and we're in the same business. We're in the business of attracting customers and doing it in the in the uh, under the the banner of sports and entertainment. Uh, we try to find synergies in everything that we do as it relates to sports science training techniques, uh, but the first ones obviously happen on the business side. We're working very closely with the people at Fulham on a major renovation of uh, Craven Cottage. And you don't have to look any further than the front of the uh, Fulham jersey. The, the kit sponsor, the primary sponsor of Fulham Football Club, is Visit Florida. Uh, and that deal was done in Jacksonville, Florida, not in London. So the other issue which is kind of interesting about that whole economic issue relative to British soccer and European soccer, explain to the casual American business fan what it's like to own an asset that's subject to relegation on an annual basis. Well, imagine for a moment you're a New York Mets fan and then you, uh, you have a bad year and you find out that now you're in AAA and you're going to be playing the Buffalo Bisons and some other teams like that. So yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it's one of the most beautiful and one of the worst uh, elements of uh, you know, European soccer and, and football here in the U.K. where uh, the, the lowest teams in each division, there's, there, there's four professional leagues in, uh, in the U.K. each year. There's teams that get forced down from one league to the next, and each year there's the opportunity for teams to move from one league to the next. And it's, you know, there's each year three teams drop from the Premier League into the championship, and each year three teams from the championship go up to the Premier League. 
you know, the championship where we are right now is filled with uh, many uh, big soccer clubs that many American soccer fans are very, very familiar with. Leeds United uh, is in the championship, uh, you know, along with us. We played them on, on Wednesday night. But it also comes with a significant uh, financial hit when you move from, from one league to the next. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for the short-term operator. So if you're in it for the long term, and if you like the fundamental infrastructure of, of a club, and in this case, we, Shad really likes the fundamental infrastructure of the Fulham Football Club, old club, great grounds, historic franchise. Uh, the fan base is, on average, the highest educated in the UK. The fan base, on average, is the most wealthy. So it's a very, very prime target. And we have to do some fixing as it relates to the infrastructure of the performance side of Fulham. And, uh, you know, we're very confident that that will get done and, and Fulham will be back up in the Premier League. But if you look over the history of Fulham, you know, it's spent more years out of the top division than in the top division, although it had a run of 12-plus of years uh, in the Premier League. So, you know, it's our goal to get back up there. You know, do we like being in the championship? Of course we don't. Is our goal to get into the uh, Premier League? Yes, it is, as soon as we possibly can. Uh, you know, but are we pulling our hair out other than through natural causes? No, we're not. What's it like, and you, you're in the meetings, and Shot is in them in a more active way, to sit in a board meeting in the NFL and see $5.78 billion of revenue shared from television on a yearly basis, then go to the other board and scratch your way up and see if you can even participate a little bit. What's, a, what's that economy? Well, it's different, it's different scales, but keep in mind the, you know, the cost of entry is different in both of those leagues as well. Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, if you believe Forbes, so, you know, Shad owns a, an asset in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's worth $1.4 billion, and, you know, Fulham is worth a, uh, you know, a fraction of that. Uh, but strategically, it is of great importance because of how important London is to supporting the larger asset, the $1.4 billion asset, in Jacksonville. So, kind of in conclusion, 10 years from now, look at that crystal ball based on your London experience. What does the NFL UK asset look like? Well, if, if things go as I would expect them to go, I think within 10 years, without a question, uh, people will be looking at London the same way they're looking at Los Angeles, saying that market is strong enough to support an NFL team. Um, should we put one there? And it happens uh, first with the league believing that it can happen, and then it happens by a overwhelming majority of 32 owners believing that having a franchise in London full-time uh, is the right idea. And then it's either an expansion team or a team that chooses to relocate there. So that's that's what I see in ten years. I don't know that I don't know that a team is going to be here then, but I I am confident that there will be a market that's out there that can support an NFL team within ten years here in London. Finally, and probably the most important question to you: Aren't you happy that you are here, knowing that your Cardinal baseball team kind of ended <laughs> it, and then the Cubs got ended by the Mets? Where's that all sit with you? Well, I have to look at it this way. It was like the perfect ending of a terrible October for me, you know? The Cardinals lost, you know, which uh, I, I hate to say it, but you could see it coming because they were limping the last two weeks, and it was a heroic season by the players with all the injuries they had. And, like, to lose, please lose to anybody but the Cubs. And then uh, I did feel a little better when the Cubs got swept, even though, you know, I would put the Mets not that far, you know, below the Cubs in terms of my teams I don't want to see do well, but... 
I was I was very happy for the New York Mets and their fans because they took the Cubs out. Well, it ain't over yet, and we'll see what happens to them as we move forward. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. All right, take, it. take care. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. The producer of the show is Alex Cohen. Audio producer, Adam Wieson. Technical assistance provided by Jamie Weber, Tanner Simpkins, and Carlos Waddick. The executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Colarusso.